Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. And if you will join with me as you ponder his words and his thoughts, if you would turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25, that's where our text for the day is coming from. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And in that day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no vegetation of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had caused it not yet to rain upon the earth and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise up from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. And then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The first is the Pishon, it is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good, bedillium and onyx stone are there. The second of the river is the Gihon, and it is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of that third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you should not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. The Lord God said, it is not good for that the man be alone. I will make him a helper as a partner. And so out of the ground, the Lord formed every animal of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And as he slept, he took one of his ribs closed up its place in the flesh. And with that rib, the Lord God, taken, with the rib taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one should be called woman, for out of man this was taken. And therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one in the flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious Lord, we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed. And as we do, speak to us so clearly that we would leave here not as mere hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So as Tanner alluded to, in many churches across the U.S., in October, it is stewardship month. It's a season, if you will, not a liturgical season, but just a season in the life of the church. So oftentimes, many folks hear that, and they begin to think of this as like a month-long telethon for the church budget. Now, there's a moment of that that's partially true. I mean, there's a shard of truth in that. Because, yes, the estimate of giving cards that we fill out and we return on the 23rd of October, those are used by our finance committee to help determine the possibilities of ministry, what we're able to afford to do in the future. But stewardship season is more than just about fundraising. Let me be really clear about this. It is more than just that. It is more than that. It's an opportunity for you and I, for us to examine our lives, to count our blessings, and to really think about what God has provided to us and to return thanks. I mean, it's kind of like harvest. He, he mentioned, you know, that October is multiple seasons. Well, one of them is we think of it as, as the harvest season. The harvest have come in. We think back to the agrarian days we filled the granaries with what was harvested. It's essentially what we're doing. We're counting the blessings and giving thanks. It's this opportunity for us to use the spiritual dimension of things where we begin to think about our discipleship and as followers of Christ, what it means to return thanks. And as we do that, as we think about this in terms of a spiritual act, three words come to mind for me. Words like enough and contentment and generosity. And so as we begin to explore our hearts and look at our lives, we realize that God has blessed us with more than we deserve and that we are to be a blessing to others which God has provided to us. Which brings us to today's text. Now, what I read to you was, was Genesis 2, which, is in a lot of, which a lot of folks like to say is, well, that's the other part of the creation story. Or biblical scholars will say it's the second creation story. Here's what I want you to think about this versus the first one. Like if you are a student of art, if you were to look at the paintings of, say, Frederick Church, who is a painter out of the, the Hudson River School, a great landscape American painter, uh, they have one of his pictures over at Renault House. I think it's called the Andes of Ecuador. If you were to go over there and look at this, I mean, it is a big painting. It is it's wider than my arms, probably as tall. It's probably about a six-foot-five painting on height and then, I don't know, maybe eight feet wide. And if you look at that from a distance, I mean, it is a beautiful landscape. But the great thing about Frederick Church's work is that you really have to stare at it in a while to appreciate all the detail. So one of the ways that a friend of mine that was an art history major told me to do with, with a painting like this is to take like a toilet paper tube or a paper towel tube. Now, I don't know how you just like walk in a, you know, a gallery with this, but apparently my friend does this, so this is a normal thing. But you take that and you look at the painting and you stay about three feet away because if you get any closer than three feet, 
all the docents start to get really jumpy. But stand about three feet away and look through that tube. And if you look at one of Frederick Church's pictures and just look through what you see through that tube, there's amazing detail. You will see birds that you didn't see when you looked at the big picture. You will see intricate details of trees. I mean, even more so than what Bob Ross could paint or anything like that. You see these things, this amazing detail. And you could spend hours just going up and down and across that whole painting with that little toilet paper tube, just seeing what you could see in that one image. So with that in mind, think about Genesis 1 as the big picture. Every day at the end of creation, God said, and it was good. And then the story moves on to the next one. Genesis 2, it zeroes in on the detail of how good it is. How good creation is. I mean, think about the story about the creation of man in Genesis 2, that God formed humanity from the dust of the earth, formed it sort of like making like mud pies or something like that, and then breathed into us the breath of life. Breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. that we are still to this day breathing out what God breathed into us, life. Or not just that there were trees everywhere, that every tree that was pleasant to sight and good for food, or that there was a river that watered the gardens, that it was a land of riches of bedillium and onyx and gold, the fact that humanity got the honor of naming the animals, that God would form the animals and then bring them to the first human and say, what would you call this? And whatever was said, that was its name. And the whole time that God said, it's not good for humanity to be alone, for the human to be alone. So I will create a partner. And forever two are better than one, that there is that partner well-suited, the text says. So this text shows this idea of perfection, this idea of the blessings of life. Remember in this whole story, there's but one rule, one rule in all of creation, one rule in the garden, do not eat of the apple of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we know the rest of the story, right? We know what happens that temptation and hubris and lack of contentment with the blessings of God gets the better of Adam and Eve, and they do what? They break the rule. And in many ways, their story is very similar to ours in the 21st century. Their story, the lack of contentment, leads to their downfall, is very similar to ours. You can think of our story as being defined by dreams and also maybe even nightmares. I mean, think about this. If you were to ask folks like a definition of success, now don't ask this question here in church because it's like those churches that have the children somewhere where we invite the children to come down front and they sit down front and you ask the leading question. If they don't know the answer right off, you know what they're going to say, right? Jesus. It's always the good answer in church. Even when we're not sure, Jesus is always the answer. So take this question, don't ask the prosperity, don't ask the success question in church, but instead, what if tomorrow you went down to the corner of 4th and Poplar and you just waited for people to walk by and you said, excuse me, I, I'm just doing an informal survey, 
tell me, tell me your greatest hopes, your desires, your dreams. And chances are because you're not in the confines and you're really out in the street and you've sort of put no boundaries around it, the survey will turn thoughts to this idea of success being defined as things like usually more than what they have. Gaining more, pursuing more, being better today than you are yesterday. It's almost as if we have this measure of success of our achievements by the awards that we have and the stuff that we possess. And we've been conditioned by marketing and time and peer pressure to pursue this idea. This idea of success is by more stuff. I mean, some of you remember back to you know, 35 years ago, the movie Wall Street, when uh, Michael Douglas's character, Gordon Gecko, he says these words like, greed is good. And he's teaching young Bud Fox, his stockbroker, that greed is good, that you can just amass more and more, and that's good. And so there's a whole generation or generations of people that have grown up with those words, greed is good, or the idea of that being sort of the mantra of the day. If you don't believe me about that, take a look sometime, let's say, oh, I don't know, the Saturday after Thanksgiving when they show videos of Black Friday. Absolute fistfights at the Walmart over a 73-inch TV when there's a perfectly good 55-inch TV right there. That's humanity. And so like Adam and Eve and the apple, the pursuit of stuff becomes the dream. It becomes what we come back to. It becomes what we want. You know, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But think about this. Adam and Eve and their pursuit of the one thing they couldn't have sort of becomes the same thing that we've adopted, this idea of we need more. But what happens when that dream becomes a nightmare? What happens when that becomes the case? So the idea of the nightmare might be defined by this idea of, 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 of uh, affluenza or a bout of credititis. Yeah, those are made-up words, affluenza, credititis. But think about this, affluenza is this idea of this constant pursuit of more and better and more and bigger. For example, in 1973, the census says that the average American household, um, the average American house was about 1,600 square feet. In 2019, the same, resort, the same report says the average American house is now 2,300 square feet. Bigger homes. But here's the kicker. Over the same time frame, the average American household has dropped from 3.5 persons to 2.5. Bigger houses, fewer people. Or we could take about that. We've got these bigger houses. Why do we need bigger houses? Well, it's because we've got more stuff. How much more stuff do we have? Well, there's a whole growth industry around that. There are 49,233, give or take a few, storage facilities, self-storage facilities across our country. 49,200 and some change. That's 1.7 billion square feet of self-storage. Why? Because they have, this is a growth industry, and their advertising is a growth industry. You're looking for a place to invest. 15 years ago, this was groundbreaking. You would be sitting on a pile of money. 
But it's still a growth industry. Why? Because we have more stuff because we can't shake the affluenza. We've got to have more things and we run out of space in our homes and our homes can only get so big. So we think. Which brings us to credititis. Credititis, the tool that fuels this affluenza. This is all about credit and the use of credit. We saw this in the housing crash of 2008, the first part of this century, when all of a sudden people had homes that they were too big for them to afford. And yet somewhere along the line, we convinced ourselves that we could do it. And then when things go bump in the night, trouble happens. The credit card crisis in the year 2020 The total U.S. credit card debt was about $893 billion, an all-time high. Now, in 2021, it came down to $770 billion. We all know why. We couldn't go out and do anything. So we were at home living with what we had. Not necessarily content, but just stuck with what we had. But... And we started using disposable income to pay down some of that debt. And so then all of a sudden, everything opens back up. And by 2022, guess what? That number's back up to $841 billion. Not quite an all-time high, but it's on its way up again. Yes, loans and credit help us afford big purchases like cars and homes. But the key for us is, are we buying more than what we need? Are we buying a bigger home? Are we buying more cars than we need? Are we using credit like it's cash because, well, we want the points? Or, well, it's not real money because we can pay it a little bit at a time. Which brings us all the way back to the garden. So what we realize when we read this story in Genesis 2, we add it to Genesis 1, we look at the big picture and we look at the micro picture, whereas that we are created to love God. We're created to find happiness with God, to enjoy the simple blessings of God. I mean, how many times do you go on vacation and you decide, that's it, I'm going to unplug, I'm going to just take a whole diet. I'm just going to take a complete diet from social media. And I'm going to sit on the beach and just watch the waves. Or I'm going to sit on the mountains and watch the sunset or listen to the birds and the trees. This past weekend, we lost internet for two days. Oh my goodness. Hey, I don't know what you all posted online because I haven't had time to go back and check it out yet. But I'm sure it was great. But guess what? We sat and read, played cards, visited with each other. Sure, we couldn't binge watch our TV shows, but that was Okay. So what happened to us then? In the, in the garden, everything was perfect. What happened to us? What happened where we've become this, this monster where we want to feed this affluenza or credititis? Well, it's hubris. Our selfish nature, it comes out. We want it all. We want to keep up with the Joneses. We think that we're going to find happiness in all these things. But what happens is, it's those temptations, the same one that got Adam and Eve. When the snake said, oh, try the apple, you won't, nothing bad will happen. It's the thing with keeping up with the Joneses. We get ourselves on the treadmill of envy where we see what they have and we want it too. We're not happy with the stuff in our own walls. We've got to add more to it. We accumulate these things. Then we begin to worry about taking care of them, making sure that they work, making sure that they're protected, making sure that they don't rust or rot or whatever. So now we're worrying about that. And where are we spending our time? We have the worry of debt. We're exhausted by constantly going on the treadmill of buying more things and figuring out how to pay for them. 
And guess what, my friends? This is not what God wants for us. This was not the dream in the garden when God breathed breath into our lives. No, instead, God wanted us to just enjoy what God had provided for us. That was the beauty of being able to name the animals, of having a partner in ministry and having everything we wanted right in front of us. So instead of all of that, here's what God wants for us. Wants us in one sense to think about going back to the garden and change that relationship where we begin to put God first in our lives. We put God's desires first. We change our pursuit not for what the world wants us to have, but for what God wants us to have. To be happy with what is already in front of us, with the gifts and the blessings that we already possess. To find happiness in our relationships with each other because when we find happiness there, those are the things that matter most. Those are the things that aren't going to rust. Those are the things that are not going to need an update. Those are the things that are not going to become outdated in three to five years like my iPhone will. Our relationships with each other, our relationship with God is what's going to last the longest. And finally, what God wants us to do instead of chasing these these false dreams, the dream that God wants us to have is one where we think about how we spend our time. Where we're not worrying about debt and we're not worried about a success story by all the things that we have, but our success is in the people around us celebrating those things. Where we live out our calling to find a new success in our relationship with God. We begin to look at our resources and realize that we have been so blessed and to use those to make a difference in the lives of those around us. So during this month, here's what I want us to do. We started the month of September, and, or we started the month of August, and we were praying every day, and we were reading scripture every day. And if you've been sticking with that, you got to the end of Acts. Pick another book. Keep reading the Bible every day. Keep praying every day. But here's an extra piece to your prayer I want you to have. I want you to pray that God gives you a new dream. A new dream, one of contentment. Where you look around your life and you see all the blessings in front of you. And you pray that God shows them to you and that you appreciate them. That you find ways to celebrate those blessings and you celebrate them every day by the way you live and you get off the treadmill of more and more and more. That's what I hope you'll pray this week. That's what I hope you'll pray this month. It's this idea of contentment because it really was perfect in the garden. Everything that we need and we have everything that we need now. As we come to the table in a few minutes, we're going to realize that it's a very simple meal, a piece of bread and a bit of juice. But that's all that we need. The cup of salvation, the meal of the kingdom, the forgiveness of our sins, that when we begin to look around, God's providing what we need right when we need it. And there's grace and forgiveness for when we fall short of recognizing that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.